Okay, Matthew chapter 7 this morning. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I know Scott just read it for us, but we'll read verse 13 and 14. And then we'll have a word of prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verse <clears throat> 13. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. <clears throat> Let's commit our time this morning to the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for the wonderful opportunity uh, to open your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just teach us, you would instruct us, Lord, you would meet each of us where we're at this morning, and Lord, challenge us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, enable me now through the, the power of the Spirit, you give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be uh, your words, it would be your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would be honoured and glorified now in all that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, <clears throat> when I've been preaching on Sunday mornings, we've been uh, considering some of our Lord's parables. So we're doing a, a series on the parables. Uh, we started out by looking at some of the parable sayings, those short sayings that the Lord gives to us. And most recently, we've been considering some of the parable similitudes, okay, where our Lord takes one thing and he likens it unto another. He takes common everyday things and he uses them as a a simile or an allegory to teach us spiritual truths. And in the passage before us this morning, <clears throat> the Lord presents a parable similitude to teach and uh, give us understanding of the truth that there are only two ways before us. He presents mankind as traveling upon uh, two roads or two paths, traveling towards eternity. Matthew Henry writes, this parable similitude emphasizes the truth that there are but two ways, right and wrong, good and evil, the way to heaven, the way to hell, saints and sinners, godly and ungodly. There's only a choice of two paths, the godly or the ungodly, saints and sinners, however you want to title these two paths, there's only two paths before us. And we each must choose which gate we will enter through and which path we will travel. Now, a similar idea is found in Jeremiah chapter 21. Just turn there with me, Jeremiah 21. <clears throat> in Jeremiah chapter 21 <clears throat> and verse 8. It says, And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Here the Lord tells the people of Israel, He says they have a choice, a choice before them. Two paths, they can choose the way of life or the way of death. The people of Israel had a choice to make. Would they listen to the Lord, listen to His word, listen to His prophet, believe and live, or would they reject God's word, reject the truth, and perish? 
And that same choice is before all mankind. The choice between the way of life and the way of death. To believe and live or reject God and perish. And these are the only two ways, the only two paths that we can choose from. Now, the world would love to think otherwise. The, the world would love to think that many paths, many roads lead to heaven. That there's many ways you can get there. But the Lord tells us quite clearly that there are only two paths and only one of them leads to eternal life. And so in these two verses, Christ presents these two contrasting paths and he gives us the characteristics of each of them. And I want us just to take some time to consider these two paths this morning. And so let's consider first of all here this morning the way of death. The way of death, look there in verse 13 with me of Matthew chapter 7. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gates, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 13, Christ begins, first of all, by describing for us the characteristics of the way of death, or if you like, the, the wrong path, to put it simply. Christ tells us that there are three things, he tells us, sorry, three things concerning this path. He tells us, first of all, that this path is seemingly easy. It's seemingly easy. Look there in verse 13, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way. So Christ says that wide is the gate and broad is the way of this wrong path, the way of death. And these two statements describe for us the easy nature, if you like, of this road, this path, and what it is that makes it so attractive to mankind. You see, the first statement here, wide is the gate, it tells us that the entrance to this, this path is easily found. It's easily found and it's easily entered into. The gate is wide. It's wide open. It's easy to pass through this gate. There are no restrictions at this gate, if you like. It's wide open. It's welcoming unto all. Everyone is welcome on this path and they're not required to change anything, not required to do anything to enter therein. If you like, it's an all-inclusive path, isn't it? It's an all-inclusive path that's easily accessible to all. The commentator Henriksen writes this. He says, The wide gate can be entered with bag and baggage, the old sinful nature and all it contains and all its accessories can easily march right through. It is the gate of self-indulgence. And so wide is that gate that an enormous, clamorous multitude can enter all at once, and there will be plenty of room to spare. This is the wide gate. It's the gate of self-indulgence. You can bring all your past life with you, all your sin, and continue in it. You can live as you please. And so wide is the gate that everyone can clamber through at once. It's easily accessible. It's easily found. And then Christ adds to this. He says, not only is, wide, not only is the gate wide, but he also says broad is the way. Now this statement tells us that not only is the entrance easy, but the path itself is easy. Or seemingly easy, as we'll see. 
Now, the word translated broad here means spacious. And it suggests, if you like, a, a magnificence in appearance. As well as, you know, in size and width. It's just this magnificent highway, if you like. That's the picture we're given here. And so it tells us that this road is easily traveled, isn't it? It's an easy road to go along. It's an appealing path because it's so spacious, so smooth. It's a great highway, if you like. You know, you can picture those freeways that we have. You know, you get on the freeway and it's easy to travel the freeway. It's wide open. And so it's an easily, a road that's seemingly easy to travel and it's a road of seeming enjoyment as well and pleasure. You see, this road, this path does not restrict the fleshly passions of man. Rather, its mandate is, come as you are, stay as you are, live as you want, do as you please. It's a road where all things are allowed, all things are encouraged. Commentator Henriksen again wrote this, he said, The way to which the wide gate admits is broad and roomy. One might call it Broadway. The signs along this wide avenue read, Welcome to each of you. And to all your friends, the more the merrier. Travel as you wish, and as fast as you wish, there are no restrictions. And that really is, uh, sums it up well. There are no restrictions on the broad way. It seems to offer freedom, freedom to sin, freedom to live as you please. And for this reason, Christ goes on and tells us secondly here, he says, the way of death is a popular path. He says it's a popular path. Read verse 13 again with me. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You see, because this way is seemingly easy, because it seems to offer freedom, it's a popular path. It's a popular, well-traveled path. Christ says, many there be which go in their acts. You see, it's on this path that you'll find the crowds. The crowds all streaming together into eternity. It's the popular path, and, and as such, it continues to draw more and more people. You know, people like company, don't they? People like company. They like to go the same way as everyone else. People don't like to go against the flow. They don't like to go in a different direction and, and get criticism from others. And so more and more people just step in and it's like this constant flow down the Broadway into, as we'll see, destruction, the way of death. Rejecting God, if you like, is entering through that gate. The rejection of God, living in sin, is walking along this Broadway. One commentator wrote this, he said, This is the path where you will find a big crowd, this will be the path that is most recommended to you by the world. It is popular to walk on this path. Sin captures many through the means of popularity. Sin seems attractive. The pleasures of sin. And so it attracts more and more people. As I said, it seems to offer freedom. It seems to be easy. But in reality, those on the Broadway are anything but free and happy. They're anything but free and and happy. Go with me to John chapter 8. <clears throat> you 
in John chapter 8 and verse <clears throat> 34. It says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Christ says that if you're living in sin, then you're the servant of sin. You're enslaved to sin. You see, sin doesn't set us free. Walking on the Broadway doesn't set us, set us free. Rather, it restricts us. Rather, it's putting chains upon us. It enslaves us. Henriksen put it really well. He said this. He said, This freedom and happiness of the majority is of a very superficial nature. Everyone who is living in sin is a slave of sin. He is as truly chained as the prisoner with the iron band around his leg, the band that is fastened to a chain which is cemented into the wall of a dungeon. Every sin he commits draws tight of that chain until at last it crushes him completely. See, that's the reality. Mankind thinks they're free, thinks they're enjoying it, walking along the path of the Broadway, but in reality, it's a chain that's getting tighter and tighter every day, crushing them. The bondage of sin. The path may be easily entered into, it may seemingly offer freedom, but in reality, it offers bondage. Isaiah 48 verse 22 makes it clear that mankind cannot truly be happy on the Broadway because there is no peace for the wicked. Let's just go and read that verse, Isaiah 48. <clears throat> Isaiah 48 and verse, <clears throat> just verse 22. It says, There is no peace saith the Lord unto the wicked. It's very clear, isn't it? There is no peace unto the wicked. Now this path draws so many in with the allure of freedom. The allure of no restrictions, live as you please. It's allure of happiness. But it leaves them with no peace. It leaves them without happiness. It leaves them in bondage. And now ultimately we see finally that those on this path are heading, Christ says, for destruction. It says in verse 13 there in Matthew 7, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. This is the final characteristic of the path. The Lord declares to us that this path, the way of death, leads to destruction. Now the word destruction here means loss. It doesn't mean destruction in the sense of end of existence or annihilation. Rather, it speaks of the end of comfort in existence. Those who travel the Broadway do not cease to be, rather they cease to be well. But the right says, he says, it's not the loss of being, but it is the loss of well-being that is spoken of here in the meaning of the word destruction. It's the loss of well-being. It's a path that leads only to eternal suffering. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it describes this end as being everlasting destruction from the presence of God. Let's turn over there, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. 
It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It says, punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God. You see, those who reject the gospel message, those who reject the truth that Christ came to die for them, reject the fact that they are a sinner lost and on their way to hell, those who reject the truth enter in through that wide gate and they travel upon the broad way hardening their hearts in sin and the end of that path is everlasting destruction from the presence of God. In other words, everlasting separation from God. And this is a place where there will be no peace. There will be no joy, only weeping and gnashing of teeth, the Word of God says. It's a terrible end for the many who are traveling along this road. It's a path that leads to destruction. You know, it's sad, but the majority of people that we meet... The majority of people that we pass as we're walking down the streets are on this path to destruction. And they're blinded to the reality of their situation. You know, they're content on the easy, popular path because they can have their sin, enjoy their sin, enjoy this life seemingly. But they fail to realize what is ahead. They fail to realize what's at the end of this path. It's destruction, it's the loss of their own soul. You know, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, Christ asked the question, he says, What does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, the loss of one's soul is the end consequence of traveling this wide, broad path. You know, they might gain the world now, enjoy the pleasures of sin now, but ultimately they'll lose their own soul. Now I wonder this morning, are you traveling along that road? The way to destruction, the way of death. Are you on that road? If so, turn around today and enter through, as we'll see this morning, the straight gates. The way of life. And so consider with me secondly now this morning, the way of life as Christ presents it to us here in verse 14. The way of life, it says in verse 14, because straight is the gates and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. In verse 14, we see the Lord now describe for us the characteristics of the way of life, the right path. And these characteristics are in direct contrast to the characteristics of the way of death, aren't they? Like direct opposites of each other. And so we see, first of all, here that Christ describes the, the way of life. He says that it is a difficult path. Look at verse 14 there. He says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. The difficulty of this, this way is seen in these two words, straight and narrow. We're told at the start of verse 14 that the gate to this path is straight. Now the words translated straight here, means pent up, narrow, difficult to be entered. That's what the word means, difficult to be entered. And this tells us that the gate, the doorway, the entry to the right path 
is difficult to enter through. In contrast to the wrong path where we said the gate was wide, it's easily entered. The gate to the right path, way of life, is narrow and restrictive. You know, this narrowness speaks of the way of salvation. It speaks of the narrowness of the way of salvation. You see, salvation is restricted to only those who go through the door, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one gate, isn't there? There's only one gate that you can enter through to be on the narrow road leading to life. And that gate is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way of salvation. There's not many doors. There's not many ways to enter this path. There's only one way. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 emphasizes this truth for us. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 4. Acts 4 and verse 12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Makes it very clear there is salvation in no one else but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through Him that we can enter and be saved. Only through faith in Him can we enter upon the way of life. You know, many find this a difficult concept. Why? Because men love to work to earn something, don't they? We want to work for our salvation. We want to work to get to heaven. We want to do it our own way. But Christ is the only way. Many also find it difficult to enter through this gate because to enter through this gate, you have to humble yourself. To enter through this gate, you have to admit before God you are a sinner, lost and on your way to hell. You have to admit you're accountable to God, the creator of all things. Henriksen writes this, he says, In order to enter the narrow gate, one must strip himself of many things, especially self-righteousness. The narrow gate is therefore the gate of self-denial and obedience. This makes it a difficult gate for many to enter through. A difficult gate because men do not like to admit that they're a sinner. They don't want to admit that they're accountable to God. And so for this reason, many turn aside from the straight gate unto the wide gate instead. The wide gate that leads to the way of death. But you know, not only is the gate itself difficult, narrow and restrictive, but Christ says the path itself is difficult as well. Christ says that the path here is the narrow way. Read verse 14 again with me. He says, Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. That word narrow is from a Greek word that basically means to be hemmed in. It's like a mountain gorge, if you like. You're walking at the bottom of that gorge and you have steep cliffs on either side. That's what this word is describing here. It means pressuring together, pressure to be crowded. And so Christ describes the way of life here as being constrictive. That's what he's describing for us. It's like passing through that mountain gorge being hemmed in on either side. One commentator wrote this, he said, The way to which the narrow gate admits is constricted, or as we might say today, it is so confining 
The path on which the believer is travelling resembles a difficult pass between two cliffs. It's hemmed in from both sides. And so Christ is picturing for us with this word narrow, he's given us the picture of a very difficult path to travel. A path that is constrictive. You know, it isn't a very appealing description, is it? Christ is not giving us a very, you know, joyous picture here. He's not making it look very pretty, especially to the fleshly nature, because that's the point here. It doesn't appeal to the flesh to travel in the narrow way. You know, this same word that's travel, uh, translated, sorry, narrow here, that same word is also translated afflicted in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's translated troubled in 2 Corinthians 4. It's translated suffer tribulation in 1 Thessalonians 3. I think all those meanings make it very clear what Christ is trying to describe to us here. This path is not an easy one to travel. It is a difficult path. You know, Christ never said that being one of his followers was going to be easy, did he? Christ never said that being one of his believers, one of his disciples was going to be easy. The Christian life is at times difficult. And you know, the difficulty described here comes as we walk this narrow way, as we struggle to gain the victory over our own flesh. That's where the difficulty comes. Because it's a narrow path. And our flesh wants to do all these other things. Our flesh wants to do those wicked, sinful things. But the path is restrictive. You see, we struggle to gain the victory over the flesh. The narrow way, if you like, is a path of sanctification. It pictures our sanctification. As we little by little become more like Christ. As we mortify the deeds of the flesh. And we put on the new man. You see, it takes effort. It takes effort to walk the narrow way. It's a daily struggle to gain the victory over sin. To be more like Him. To be holy as He is holy. It's the path of self-denial and a struggle against the flesh. But you know, it's a struggle we do not in our own strength. And that's the wonderful thing. It's a struggle through the power of the Holy Spirit. He enables us to walk this narrow way. And you know, make no mistake, even though it is a narrow, difficult path, it is the path of real joy and real peace. Now, we said earlier that, you know, the wide way seems attractive to the flesh because it seems to offer enjoyment. It seems to offer freedom, but instead it offers bondage. The narrow way is a difficult path, restrictive, but it brings joy and peace. In Galatians 5 verse 22, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace. This is some of the things the Spirit produces in the life of the Christian. Joy and peace and happiness. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, he says that we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's something the unsaved can't have. Those walking on the broad way, they can't have that joy. It's a joy that's found walking the narrow way. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, in great contrast to those who are on the broad way, who are in bondage to sin with no peace, no joy, the believer who has entered in through the straight gate by faith, the believer now is truly free. The truth has set us free from sin. And now there is joy and peace in our hearts as we walk the narrow way, 
joy and peace that only the Spirit can produce. You know, because this Christian life, the path of righteousness, is at times a difficult one, a constrictive one, in a worldly sense. For this reason, Christ goes on and says it's an unpopular path. He says it's an unpopular path. He says in verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. In great contrast to the broad way where many are going along that path, Christ says few there be that find it. Few enter in through the straight gate, few walk the narrow way. This is the sad truth, the sad reality. Few will be saved. Christ tells us few enter in through the straight gate and travel the narrow way. It's an unpopular path to tread. Now the prophet Jeremiah illustrated the unpopularity of the right path. When he said in Jeremiah 15 verse 16, he said, Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine hearts. And then he says in verse 17, I sat alone. Jeremiah says, the word of God is joy, it's rejoicing unto me. He says, but I'm all alone. I'm sitting alone. You see, Jeremiah did not find a large crowd who, like him, loved the Word of God. He sat alone. And this is so often the way, isn't it? The right path is so unpopular with the world in which we live. And those walking the path are few. And this only adds to the difficulty of the path, doesn't it? Because everyone else is going a different way. We seem to be going against the flow. It makes it hard to walk this path. There is persecution. There is suffering that comes because we're a believer. But the commentator Ryle noted this. He said, we have no reason to be discouraged and cast down. Repentance and faith in Christ and holiness of life have never been fashionable. The true flock of Christ has always been small. Don't be discouraged when we look around and, and notice the fact that we are in the few, that we're in the minority. Don't be discouraged. Repentance, faith in Christ and walking a holy life has never been fashionable. It's never been fashionable. Indeed, we can see that in the world today, can't we? You know, the path of righteousness, of holiness, the narrow way is so unpopular with the world. We are in the minority as believers here today. And it shouldn't surprise us then that when we look around at the majority, we see them casting off all moral restraints. It shouldn't surprise us to see how wicked the world is becoming. Because they're all walking down that broad way together on the path to destruction. And that brings us to the final characteristic here. Christ declares gloriously that the narrow way, the right path leads to life. It says there in verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Christ says that those who enter through the straight gate by faith, those who walk the narrow way obtain life. Life that only God can give, eternal life. In John 10 verse 10, Christ said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. That's why Christ came to give us eternal life through faith in Him. You see, beloved, it will be more than worth it all in the end. 
to have entered through the straight gate, to have traveled that unpopular, difficult path, the narrow way. It will be worth it all because we will experience eternal happiness in heaven with him one day. The joy of dwelling with him in his very presence. You see, the reward that is awaiting for us in glory far exceeds any affliction that we might experience here on earth as we walk the narrow way. It far exceeds any persecution that we face as we seek to be holy as he is holy in an unholy world. Any affliction will pale when compared with what waits for us in glory. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Last passage we're going to turn to this morning. 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul, he writes this, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says our light affliction is only for a moment, and then it gives way to eternal glory, eternal blessings. You see, our temporal troubles, as we travel the narrow way, those temporal troubles give way to eternal blessing. You know, the wrong path, as we saw, ends in destruction. It ends in loss, separation from God for all eternity. The right path leads to life. Eternal life dwelling in His presence. And this life continues forever. There's no end to the bliss and joy that it brings. Commentator Butler wrote this, he said, This life will bring great joy. As such, it will, be more, sorry, it will more than compensate for any trials, any troubles, any sorrows that one has had to endure from the straight gate and from the narrow path. No one will ever be sorry. They experience the straight gate and the narrow way in order to obtain this eternal life. Indeed, as the hymn declares, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful description of the two ways before each of us. Lord, I pray this morning, if there is anybody here who is on that way, that path to destruction, Lord, today you would show them their need of salvation. Lord, show them today that they're a sinner lost and on their way to hell. And today they turn to you in faith and enter through that straight gate and walk the narrow way that leads to eternal life. Lord, we thank you so much that, Lord, we, once we enter through that straight gate, we are assured of eternal life. And, Lord, though the path may be difficult, Lord, it will be worth it all when we see Christ. We thank you so much for your word today. Work in our hearts, challenge us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.